Good morning. This podcast is brought to you by Wisdom. Wisdom. Is it the indispensable knowledge brought on through experience or is it just your last name? Either way, my guest today has both. Welcome to Down by the River. My name is Terrence Hartnett. I'll be your host. I'll be your host. I will be your host. I have been your host and I'm your host right now. Uh, Tom Wisdom is my guest. He's amazing. He's got a lot of introspective stuff to talk about being in the present and uh, traveling. He's also, he's a car camper like me. I think he has a Prius. I think he's got a Prius and he's got one of those cool uh, tent back Priuses. He pops the tent up so you can stick your legs out and sleep in it. Um, he is a former comedian. This is a, this is a comedians who quit, one of the comedians who quit series and talking with a van lifer, car camper person. So it's kind of a twofer. Um, so I used to know Tom when we were doing comedy together in Chicago. He's very funny, um, but very also very wise, uh, ironically or unironically. His last name is Wisdom, and he's got a lot of wisdom to dispense. But So I knew him in Chicago. He's traveling around right now. He's doing a very similar thing to what I am, where he's kind of visiting friends, trying places on, checking it out, going where the wind takes him. So I was really happy that we got to overlap in New York. We recorded this in Prospect Park um, amidst the post-work crowd of people enjoying one of the best parks in New York City. I think I think it's, it's my favorite park. It's the best park in New York City, Prospect Park. Check it out. Um, big plug to Prospect Park. Um, so Tom's great. Uh, we have a, yeah, we talk about comedy and him quitting comedy, and there's a lot there. He's the best. Uh, you should hire Tom Wisdom. And speaking of things I'm asking you to do, please share this podcast with a friend. Put it on your Instagram stories. Um, rate and review this podcast. I really appreciate any of the love that we're getting on the ratings on iTunes. And uh, thanks again for listening. Um, enjoy this conversation with Tom Wisdom. He's the best. Take it away, Steve. How long have you been in New York now? Um, days. Days, yes. I've been in the state of New York for uh, most of, yeah, a good chunk of this week. Okay, nice. I New was, Rochelle. I was camping near Ithaca, then I was in a, oh. a friend's of a friend's farm near Poughkeepsie. Oh, great. Okay, working then, your way closer and closer. Yeah, then I was in that, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire border up on a mountain for a couple days, then down in New Rochelle, where some Beautiful. How all, is this, this, all with friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I mean, friends of friends in some cases. Um, well, I guess not in Ithaca. That was just a state park campsite. Which one? Buttermilk Falls. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sounds it's very so beautiful. Quaint. Gorges. Beautiful gorges. Ithaca absolutely rules. That's a town I can see you settling in in an Ithaca-esque. Yeah. Any college town has got, like, enough of that culture where I could end up there. Where it's like, if it wasn't for, you know, comedy show business stuff, like New York – New York is the, is the spot, but if you just need a little bit of culture, a coffee shop, a restaurant, a concert mm-hmm. once in a while, you know what I mean, a thrift store, it's like there's m- hundreds of towns in this country that have all of those things yeah. in a cool way. And like some little percentage of them are like Ithaca, we're just like you're also surrounded by mountains and incredible scenery and stuff, and yeah. you just look up once in a while and go, oh yeah, I'm in um, a, like a some suburb of paradise. It's Dude. So cool. You have everything you need, everything you need. 
yeah and the yeah with the nature mixed in that is that's the ideal that's the ideal um but okay were you, you were talking about you're between philly and north carolina for your next those are two two, two options. possibilities okay yeah. you, don't, you don't even lock it into those two you want to you're still open to other well, stuff just i've heard you know uh, I, I was actually born in Philadelphia, but I don't oh, remember wow. it. Okay. I was. We moved like when I was like a year old. And uh, North Carolina, like I've lived in the South and around there, like South Carolina, Georgia, here and there. And uh, my parents live in Virginia, so I've never actually. It's like right in the middle. I okay. haven't been there before. Okay. So it, it fulfills the novelty criteria, but also has some other, you know. Yeah. What are the other? What are the criteria in total? Novelty. No, never personal, having lived there before. Personal novelty for like residents to me. I've never lived there before. Okay. Because I want, like, I love, really my, my favorite thing is, like, adapting to new circumstances and, and flexing to, like, make things work. That's my favorite thing of all time. Like, in comedy, it was, like, you know, if a riff works, that can be, like, turned and, like, bent into a piece of, a, of, of an act. Yes. Or, like, right. in, you know, engineering, it's, like, making this thing fit that's not made for that, but you can, like, work it in and... And work it a workaround solving the puzzles you're talking yeah. about that that's the ideal job you'd have would be solving lots of little puzzles quickly yeah. with quick like, feedback some quick feedback like get, getting a, a chance to like understand what happened and try again yeah and like and and fiddle with the you know twiddle the dials as they say like try different versions of it what's been the best job for that kind of feedback that you've had you've had so many jobs well i guess if i had found it i i You'd keep it. Uh, yeah, you I wouldn't have had the best one. They all, all, <laughs> all my various jobs have had elements of that. You know, like fry cook at Sonic. You know, sometimes you want to make the onion rings a different way for your, <laughs> for your coworker you have a crush on, or, <laughs> or, uh, or or the big manager boss comes in and you got to make everything perfect, but yeah. you don't have the stuff for that or whatever. Or yeah, yeah, there's all workarounds. Just, it's fun to do to do things like that. I think that's what I'm best at. But it's also what I enjoy the most. But it's often, you know, not not in in great supply in most places because most places they've got their stuff dialed in. They know what they do and how to do it. And like, of they course, need a warm body. They need just need somebody to do it the way that they want yeah. to be done. You need which a, is why they're paying you. Yeah. You're not working for yourself. You're working for them. You're taking their money. They're like, please, you, you have a pair of eyes and hands or whatever input and output we need. And the thing in the middle that does flexible stuff, the brain part. And please do that. But without too much change yeah. for the indefinite future. And that's fine. That that makes that's how society exists. Not fine for us. Not fine for you. It's not gonna not gonna do well for you, but it is still fine. I'm not, <laughs> none of it is torture to me. I, I feel most at ease when I'm just like, I can deal with this, I can figure this out. And and none of that involves being like society should change to fit my personal whims at all times. Okay, interesting. I right. don't I don't have like world changing ideas, I would say. Okay. Not like, boy, we're we're messed up in these ways and if we were only all like me, things would be so much better. Okay, interesting. Okay. You think but you must think that things need to be changed. That oh, certainly. Yeah. It's just not me at the center of them. Okay, I, right. Those changes don't have to involve the way I see the world. You I know? feel like a lot of people think that a lot of people have that same attitude, but it's hidden underneath a sort of general guilt about, like, what should I be doing to make everything better, right? Like, don't you feel like you need to contribute to sort I've of making that too, things better? For sure. yeah. yeah. But I think the, the hard part, maybe, I don't want to speak for most people, but it seems like from what, I, from what I've heard from people talking, it's like you don't, it's hard to decide on what the thing is to do. Yeah. Because mostly you think, I should do a big thing, and I should, like, help people you know in the world but there's a lot of people in the world 
doing a lot of different things and most of them don't involve you because they're all you know there's many of them they're far away yeah so it's hard to choose it's always a big uncertainty yes so yeah i i do like to i mean help people i mean I don't, i'm not a saint or anything like but like you know i've done volunteering stuff and it's fun it's it's more of the same stuff you know what's it's, the last good volunteer gig you did Ooh, um i helped put together it was very it was really brief it was like putting together like care packages of like sanitation and stuff like that like during covid last summer fall nice. in chicago in chicago yeah so have you left chicago you've left it i have left chicago nice i still have some stuff under a stairwell in, or under a staircase in chicago in, my your, friend's old, in your old house. place yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got your semi tied down I've there got, like one horcrux still there <laughs> one, one part of the of the tom wisdom soul yeah. weighing you down you cannot be killed so what's the yeah what was the plan leaving in chicago what are you doing now how would you characterize what you're doing now uh, since leaving chicago i would say looking for the next uh wave to catch not that i'm a surfer or like that but just like there seems to be a certain amount of motivation and like and and like definitely social as well like people people to to do things with yeah is really helpful and i've got so many dear friends in so many places um, but and I love seeing them. Love seeing you. It's Good fun, to see you. fun to do. Happy to be here. But I'm looking for the thing that's like, that looks like there's room for me to like go ahead and do some things and like grow and change a little bit more. Cause uh, it's I don't know about why this is, but it seems to me hard for me to like grow and change when my situation is very static. Okay. Even if it's around people I love in a yeah. place that I'm comfortable and familiar with, that seems to like make me uh, just kind of get stuck in patterns did that happen in chicago oh for sure yeah. okay i mean a lot of it's just you know oh it's it's october again and i can see the next six months of gray coldness looming and oh i know and i haven't you know become enlightened so it doesn't bother me anymore so i'm still going to be cranky about it and yeah even though it hasn't happened yet but i can see the next six months about I'm cranky to about it now right in october and i for some reason can't just wait to be cranky until it happens you know <laughs> Cranky in advance. Yeah, I gotta be cranky in advance. I gotta <laughs> somehow front load the crankiness. Front load the crank. How did that happen? In, how does that manifest in Chicago? How is that happening? What, what kind of patterns were you falling into? Um, just uh, some of it was physical. Like, you know, if I am in this neighborhood, I have friends there or a restaurant I know or I used to work there or whatever, and I just have ways of existing there. Getting in the same loops? Getting in loops, yeah. And, uh, and like I biked every day for whatever that was, six and a half years or something like that. And then right toward the end of when I was in Chicago, I got in a bike accident and had to, like, change my whole bike around because my hand was broken. Oh. And and I still have to bike, but then I was like, oh, I'm still doing the same stuff, you know, in a slightly different Well, so you put, way. like, the brake on the other side or something? You couldn't like, use raise your... the stem and the handlebar so I wasn't putting weight on it. Okay. Oh, right. But, uh... How bad was the accident? Uh, it was... Um, very unpleasant. I, I broke my hand in a couple places and I needed surgery and stuff. And uh, you know, you go into a little bit of shock, and you're, you know, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I figure like, oh, it must have been my fault. I must have said a mean <laughs> thing to someone eight, really eight years ago. You just your brain goes through. Oh my, my brain god! Goes through yeah. Or like I should have done something differently or whatever. And then everyone's like, okay, we, you have this is not your fault at all yeah right this was it actually your fault though the in the, in I terms got of the physical okay you got doors, got doors so that's never your car. fault yeah. yeah 
Um, and there was a whole thing about that, but uh, neither here nor there. It's over now. And then, but at that at that point, I was you know recovering and and stuff, and I was just like, I think I think today's or today today's the year. Today is the year is the I'm year. gonna leave Chicago. <laughs> exactly. And you I, would bike all winter too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh God. I think that's one of the things that kept me going because like if I had to do it, I had to do it, and I had to like get ready in time and have my layers on and stuff like that and i would get to the place i was going to work or whatever like with my blood moving and kind of a little more alive i think if i had to like wait for a bus or a train yeah or like try to figure out how to park a car or something like that it i don't know if i could have lasted as long as i did but it's a way to be outside and exercise yeah yeah when no one wants to be outside or exercise and it's also just a, a pointless challenge like no one needs you to do that yeah. And it's like a choice that I made. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And we had some other friends who did that. Yeah. And but it's like, it feels like 10% of the bikers I know do it all year round. But most of them put the bike away until sure, sure. spring has sprung. Yeah. But that was that was definitely like a way to like grow and change. Like I've never done, I've, or I had done it before a little bit. I lived in Indiana for a bit. Um, but even then I would like, you know, ease off sometimes. Ease off with the bike. But this seemed like a way like I'm going to, to stave off the inevitable doldrums of winter i'm gonna like keep moving the whole time good um i want to ask you yeah you're looking for a job it seems like you've always you're not looking for a job necessarily but whatever you seem like you seem like you you seem like you've always had a sort of philosophy towards your employment which is um unusual i i have a philosophy it seems like you have a criteria if you took notes about this i want to hear this well you've got okay you've got a doctorate i'm talking to a guy with a phd yes and when I met you, you were... Please say my full name. Tom, Dr. Tom Wisdom. Yes, it's weird. <laughs> Dr. Wisdom. It's very silly. <laughs> it's, it's too on the nose because people, people think of you as a wise person. Yeah. You, and it's... You, right. It's a great... It's maybe too much expectation. Too high of an expectation. I agree. I, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, I feel like I should be you know, being healed by your very words, you know? Yeah. But no. Yeah. You're, you're no. thinking either... This guy is really good at what he does. He's gonna, or he's like appropriating some indigenous culture. And he's gonna be, he's gonna pretend to be a shaman and tell me a bunch of nonsense. Like there's, he's a huckster, or he should be doing a better job than he is. That's uh, what I think people think. And you're funny and self-aware, which is great. This is a great, it's a great package for a man. And you said that instead of me, which is even better. Even better. Yeah. Even better. So. But as long as I've known you in Chicago doing comedy and being funny, but you were also, you were a dog walker and like a apartment. Dog sitter. Dog please, sitter. Correct. Because, yeah, I remember you had, this, you had this great joke I always think about, which is like, it seemed almost like a, a, a statement of your philosophy to me, which was, I'm in a 51st floor apartment, downtown Chicago, overlooking the river right now. Yes. I'm playing with this dog and watching this giant TV. I'm out on this balcony. You were in that Aqua Wave building at one yeah, point, yeah, yeah. and you're like, "I have, I'm broke. I have this terrible, quote unquote, terrible job of dog sitting, but I'm in the same apartment as somebody who works 80 hours a week in yeah. finance. I've warped my way into the yeah. upper class. Something <laughs> I like reached that. a, a yeah. warp zone to the upper I've, class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've warped. Yeah, yeah. I've like, I've got the Mario star of life, and I'm just playing in this upper level that yeah. I don't." technically according to the rules of capitalism deserve this right. life that i'm living right now yeah and it's like it brought into question like why are these people working for 80 hours a week when i'm getting all the rewards that they are supposed to be working for but they can't they can't even enjoy it 
They yeah. are working, and that's yeah. why I'm walking their dog. Right. That yeah. was the bit. Like, I'm yeah. getting paid to do things, to, to enjoy things they don't have time to use, and I'll never afford to have. Yeah, exactly. It, it, would, it's, it seems like a weird, like, eddy current in capitalism that makes no sense. Like yes. Like this weird turbulence. Well, Kurt Vonnegut calls, talks about the, the money river, and it's like some people are, you know, they're right in the money river, and the money is just flowing right into them. And some people make money by pointing the way to the money river. <laughs> and some people just stand near the bank, and they hope that some splashes on them. And it does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these lawyers and the people who, you know what I mean, if you're like a if you're like a closet engineer or someone who does um, uh, polishes diamonds, you know what I mean, for a living, it's like you're going to charge a little bit more because your clients are super rich and the only people who go to you are super rich. You know what I mean? Like people who serve luxury sort of boutique businesses, whatever. You sure. know what I mean? Okay, so all of that is preamble to the question about oh yeah, uh, your, your quote-unquote employment philosophy. Sure. Because you could presumably have gotten a higher paying job than dog sitter. Yeah. Which yeah. requires no and education. I, I have had yeah. higher paying jobs than that right. before. Um, I think it's just like, like I said, like growing and changing, evolving really is, is, and I don't mean like becoming a higher consciousness or anything, just like having different experiences and understanding things in different ways. That's what kind of drives me. So like I had a big engineering job for four years in a big city. And then I was like, I'm going to go. SF, right? In San Francisco, yeah. And then I thought, I want to, I'm really curious about the brain and how it works and, and how people relate to each other and understand the world around them. So I went to grad school for that. And um, and I did. I learned a lot. And, that it was, was, and that's like five years? That's like five years, yeah. yeah. And like also like living in a small college town. and like Where was this? Uh, Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. IU. It's a great town. Super fun. And, but well, also, one of those Ithacas, one of those little it's, cool yeah, it's, college it's towns, It's the right? Ithaca of Indiana. Yeah. They have the comedy attic. Right, yeah. Were you doing comedy there? Uh, that's the first time I did, I did the open mic there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. But that was after I had left. I, I kind of came back into that. And, uh, yeah. And so at that point, I was, um, you know, I did what I came to do in both cases. I was like, I, I study engineering and I was an engineer and I did that and lived that lifestyle because it does involve you know not it's not identical for everybody but you do you know work this many days a week and this hours and you know your co-workers and you involve yourself in the city and then I was like how about small town and studying something different and I did that and it's fast the brain is endlessly fascinating the mind and society don't get it how people relate to each other we have we have just you know barely touched the edges of, of many parts of it and noticed some regularities but it's not like a deep understanding by any means but it's fascinating all the way through okay would you like to touch on the the work you did your 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 um what do you call that your thesis no no yeah your uh, dissertation dissertation yeah uh, i studied social learning which is basically how uh creatures like humans learn from watching each other as opposed to say learning from a teacher trying to teach you something or actively like reading a book trying to learn a, a procedure or something like that or a set of facts or something so how do you how do you learn by watching someone do it and so like fish do this birds do this people do this all kinds of different species do it but there's all kinds of you know wrinkles to the situation like is it are you copying the person who's doing the best are you copying the person who has the most like status if you can tell what that is if, yeah. if it's that relevant to you um, are you just taking the average of what everyone's doing and, and starting with that? And do you add your own changes? And so basically I, I studied that 
in the context of like a very carefully designed video game. So people played it all at their own computers, but in a group, and we studied how they approached this task and like did they copy each other and um, did the size of the group matter and so forth. And the what, were your, what were your findings? Uh, the upshot was basically that uh, for our particular task, which was like a complex problem landscape where there wasn't like one easy to find answer just by progressing one piece at a time, it was very beneficial to have people to copy, like you'd imagine, but also the size of the group in this particular setting, uh, larger group sizes helped because from what we could tell, like a lot of people would copy and then like try their own little variations on that to try and get make it better. But if they hit a dead end or if they got worse or whatever it was, then there was probably somebody who was so lazy they'd just taken the most recent best one and stuck with it and didn't <laughs> change it. And they could always go back to that. So the group kind of maintained this memory of the best, most recent thing that could always be accessed because the laziest person had kept it. And, and they hadn't tried their own thing because they're lazy? They, they, the laziest person had kept the the best okay way of doing it yeah like the best most recent thing that's just obvious they copied the best they could find and stuck with it and i don't even necessarily mean lazy in a bad way like they conserved their energy right yeah right they didn't seem to think for whatever reason that trying harder would get them better than just copying and it turned out that was helpful for everybody because they maintained that solution visible for other people to copy to go back to kind of ratcheted it up yeah at least we have it we have we're not going any lower than this new way Right. But everyone else is trying, and we still have Randy's over there doing doing the old way because he yeah. doesn't care. Everyone else is trying a new way. Okay. Yeah. And that's act- like other researchers, anthropologists, and cognitive scientists called it. Like that's the ratchet mechanism of culture. You can, oh, cool. You can maintain the previous ones while other people, you know, do R&D or, or they're just really, you know, hustling and grinding, trying to do their own thing. Yeah. But the group collectively still has that old solution available to go back to if some you know catastrophe happens or if the new ways you know don't work out or if the environment changes maybe the old solution still works maybe it doesn't but you have some starting point to go back to wow that makes sense or like everyone always says that when when you hear like a research study they're always like yeah that makes sense where it's like well it's supposed to be a new thing they're uncovering but it's like yeah i already knew that is what people always just say when they say like you know people who are left-handed are more creative or whatever like they'll like they'll just be like yeah that makes sense you know they already like they already kind of knew that or like what they're saying is that drive that jives with my sort of off-handed conception of the way society works yeah and it does yeah the 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 fun thing is that you can always you like there's a whole huge range of things that if you heard them you'd say that makes sense because you could imagine some backstory for it exactly or you can just go well somewhere in your in your in your thought process like it turns out that was the right answer so it must have made sense the whole time there's some you know your, what do you call it yeah bias the, yeah, the just so bias. story kind of just yeah i can think of any number of ways to justify that pseudologically so it makes sense but that's why you know that it's not universal and it's still kind of controversial but there's a lot of big movement in science to like pre-register your hypothesis so that you don't just like get a bunch of data and torture it with statistics until you find something you can publish. They say, like, I am doing it exactly this way with these methods, and here's my hypothesis, and I expect it to be like this. So that if it isn't, you can say, well, that's the test you intended to do, instead of just testing and testing and testing with with math until some pattern accidentally filters through. And then you find the hypothesis in retrospect? You're like, well, you're testing that, or like, that's what we found? Right. And that was a big problem for a long time. I mean, it still is in, in various circles i'm sure where people just kind of 
find something in the statistics. And the more things, the more times you test for statistical effects in a in a complicated enough data set, you'll find something just by chance. Okay. And so they're trying to keep people or keep you know science at large from generating these spurious effects, these things that don't really mean anything or have any any relationship to like deep underlying facts or trends or characteristics so they they trying to get people to like here is my here is my idea here's how i'm going to collect the data i've collected data here is how i will test it and here's the results of the test so that you're not just fishing for whatever fishing then you can always go back and say this is what we meant all along exactly yeah you can't go back and cherry pick so you can't just have people going that makes sense and you're like yeah it did make sense i was very smart the whole time <laughs> How did this, so how did going forward from that PhD program, were you intending on working in psychology? Uh, yeah, kind of. Not not psychology in like the counseling sense of the word, but yeah. like in cool. academia. Academic psychology, what do they yeah. call that? Yeah. Yeah, I did that for a couple years. Um, again, novelty driven. I was like, I'm going to go work in Japan. And I had heard, I had worked, not worked, I had met um, a researcher from Hokkaido. This guy, he had given a talk at my university while I was still in school. And then I can't remember how we got in touch, but he was like, I've got a, what's, what's called a postdoc, a postdoctoral research. You, after you finish your degree, you go Keep and do talk. stuff. But it's not like um, an academic thing. Okay. Or you're not teaching. You're just doing research. And so I did that for a couple of years and had good, uh, cool opportunities to do studies. And I still do some work for him sometimes, like editing papers and um, various communications and stuff like that. Did you go work? Did you go to? Did you go to Japan? Yep. Okay. Yep. What city? Hokkaido. Uh, Sapporo in Hokkaido. Sapporo. Yeah. So like the beer. Um, what is Hokkaido? Is that the region? Hokkaido the, is the Hokkaido. northern island of Japan. With an H. Yep. Hokkaido. Yep. Never heard of it. Sapporo. Yeah, it's kind of like, it kind of is. It's considered to be like the Wild West area of Japan. It was like the last part to be settled, cool. but also they exterminated indigenous people. And uh, there's, it's like the breadbasket they grow. It's a big agricultural area and oh, stuff. Wow. So it's, it's kind of analogous to like the West, the West, the Western Northern. With the, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. That's a lot of reasons. It's like the West. Yeah. <laughs> the Technically, it's Northeast in Japan, but okay. whatever. But I did that for a couple of years, and that was super interesting. Um, just every day was some new weird challenge of work or culture or language or something like that. And did then. Did you speak Japanese? Just enough to get by. Okay. Like I, I was never a deep conversationalist yeah. in Japanese, but I could get by. There are enough ex expats there for you to be friends with. Oh uh, yeah, and we made some friends. I mean, there's also like, um, like there's clubs of like foreign students or foreign, you know, faculty and stuff like that. Um, but also met some Japanese people and and uh, hung out with them and it was kind of a mixed crew. It was kind of, they speak it was English. Good. Yeah, or, you know, they, they speak a little English, right. and I speak a little Japanese, and we can sort of, like, do stuff and say, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then we both learn a new word. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was super fun. And then I, uh, another researcher who I, I had um, made some contact with in Mexico City, uh, I did a postdoc there. But that was, that was slightly more mm, confusing because we had this kind of public health project um, it was like pre Fitbit, pre all that stuff, but like to get people to use these social uh, cues and things like that to help each other maintain healthy habits. So we're going to work with the Ministry of Health 
and uh, set up. I mean, at that point, it was like make a Facebook app, which doesn't really exist anymore. But yeah. like, um, you could just as easily make a phone app or make it a web page or whatever. But it was a social network kind of thing, but to share uh, healthy activities and diet and so forth. Like many, many things exist now. But at that point, it was still kind of fuzzy. And we thought like, well, let's try this and actually make it research. But right as we were getting to like the the practical part of it the uh there was a presidential election and the party in power changed which year 1976 <laughs> how old are you this was 2012 okay. 2013 2013 um i believe and so next time my boss called the ministry of health they were like who are you trying to reach no 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 one you know works here anymore oh my god so uh, at least that's how it was explained to me. Sure. I was not the one making those calls. So we just, you know, uh, at that point, I had been thinking about doing comedy for a while. And, you know, just listening to podcasts as, like, a way to have, like, fun in English and yeah. conversationally. Because <laughs> that's the big po- first wave of the pod- comedy right. podcast boom and everything. You were in Mexico City? Or where, where in Mexico? In Mexico City, okay. yeah. And I had been, you know, doing that in Japan as well, just, like... That was that was what was happening. Yeah. People were listening to podcasts, getting that yeah, and getting that information. I was in. like, so for this job, you get up on stage and say funny things, and then you hang out with your friends, and they record it, and then you get paid to do that too. It's that sounds like a great life. It's the best life. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm gonna stop being an academic for a while and just go be a comedian in Chicago. So I moved to Chicago and did that. I also moved to Chicago because of podcasts, because people. Yeah, it just made it seem like a very attractive and simple life. Yes, right. Which it turns out. To, it's less obviously those things once you, <laughs> once you actually get to know it but I did meet so many cool sweet people and like learn to do new things that I've never done before interesting people get like yeah. comfortable in front of people because before I'd, I'd done kind of public speaking presenting papers at in grad school and stuff like that but this was a whole different thing yeah so there's stakes there's well there's well, different stakes different stakes I guess yeah. of course presenting a paper there's also stakes yeah right. <laughs> well, you're presenting a paper and you mess up people will be like this guy is an idiot yeah right but if you're doing comedy people will be like this guy's an idiot and I love him <laughs> <laughs> and this is like the best night of, I'm gonna have this week I get to meet this idiot and because there's zero stakes to it for the audience they yeah don't, right they're not like trying to pick apart your argument they're like I do I enjoy this or not exactly is it's it a very different enjoyable? goal different experience so that was like, again, like it was a whole brand new thing I hadn't done with my brain and body before. And you going into Chicago. I'm sorry. Comedy, I keep forgetting that I was supposed to be answering a question about my philosophy. I or love something. it. I love it. <laughs> it's OK. Tangents are OK. Um, because also, yeah, you're just like, luckily, you're just taking me through your your story, which I didn't actually have it have pinned down. I knew you had done a lot of things. But the time I had met you in Chicago, you had done a lot of things and been a lot of people. Um so in Chicago, I like that way of putting it. I've been, been a lot, a lot of, people. of people. Well, because like the way over here, you were talking about these mics, and you're like, "Yeah, I used to be a, I used to be a sound engineer." Did you know that? And I go, "No, but I'm not surprised. You know, I'm not surprised <laughs> by a, a, like a whole other career. I knew you were a, had a PhD." Um, you make it sound so colorful, like I was a con artist. I've just been wow, impersonating been people. Been a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Tom Wisdom even your real name? It's such a name you'd make it's up. It's a code name. Yeah. It's like James Bond. <laughs> yeah, there's been Tom Wisdom's before me. There'll be Tom Wisdom's after me. The only non-fictional part is I have a number. It's <laughs> in a government code base somewhere. And that's it. Do Did you go to Chicago with the intention of like having a shit day job, like a com- comedian's day job, essentially? Uh, I just went with the intention of figuring it out as I went. 
Nice. And uh, like dog sitting just kind of happened to me. Like I, I had arrived and I was looking for a job and a friend was like, hey, a friend of mine is looking for someone to watch their dog. Are you like busy for the next two weeks? Like starting tomorrow. And I was like, no, let's do it. Yeah. Wow. And that just like established an, a simple, like an easy pattern to go with, you know, and just because that's just a reputation based thing at first. And then like, so there's an app I signed up through and you could do that. But I very intentionally was like, I don't want to be a dog walker. That's so hack. Like every comedian's a dog walker. <laughs> a lot walker. of comedians are dog walkers. But dog sitter? Mm. That's great. And you have the place. Yeah. God, those places. What did you enjoy the most about being in, Describe the feeling of being in someone else's place. I love that. I love being in someone I else's place. I the, think the best part was realizing that I did not need any of it. Like Go being on. in a really nice house and being like, I don't. This is like kind of good, but the amount of work and stress that went into buying this place or affording the rent or whatever yeah. is like, is so much. And I like it for like a week, but after that, a lot of time, like a big, nice house is too much. A lot to take care of. You have to hire people to take right. care of it for you. You're yeah. one of those people. Oh, well, then you just have a choice. Like, do I live in a mansion alone if I can, for some reason, afford it? If I for some reason wanted to afford it? Or do I have, uh, do I start a utopian collective somehow and have those headaches? It's like, it's always going to be some kind of headache. Sure, sure. Because there's all the extra. You're just choosing your headaches. You're just yeah. choosing the problems you're going to There's gonna either encounter. chores or like potential that you're like, I just got to use this some. I don't want to let it go to waste. But I could just hop between, you know, this like 51st floor condo or like big house or uh, cute little like very artsy kind of cottage style place or whatever it was and be like this is also nice and i can like sincerely compliment the person on their nice place and like their dogs are cool yeah and and i can leave at the end and be like okay what's next what's next and and feel it feels good it's more novelty i know i yeah it's like it's like dropping some like uh like a backpack off yeah yeah you leave it you're done yeah it doesn't yeah, I like having the constant. I'm doing some moving work now, and I love being in a new work environment every single day, different apartment every single day to move them out. And like, I loved, I love, yeah, I, love, I just like changing locales. Being in the same office every day, yeah. it's, that's tough. There's also the aspect of like, I mean, it's kind of the, the chore part, but like, um, having to like fix things, maintain things, um, just you know, so there's there's not a leak in your roof or also like just things aren't like you like them, you know, yeah. and you want to tidy them up or make them nicer. And I love doing that. And then like doing something else completely. That's, that feels good. I could also, the nice thing also was I wasn't just doing that. I could like do other freelance stuff. Yeah. You were tutoring. Do, I was tutoring uh, a bunch and I was doing like various like technical writing and editing and a little bit of coding and like data analysis and visualization and like just all kinds of little Little short-term jobs, contracting stuff. But I could do that on someone's very comfortable couch <laughs> while, like, <laughs> scratching the head of their very cute dog. Making and, like, money both ways, yeah. Yeah. And they kind of reinforce each other. And then I could, you know, as when 5 or 6 o'clock rolled around, I could go meet my friends at a mic and try out some new thing that I thought of while, like, gazing deeply into this dog's eyes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Something just... The dog spoke to me psychically, and I could just <laughs> tell the people about that. <laughs> it felt great. 
And it must have helped, yeah. Being in new environments, new new situations, you can get you're getting different ideas instead of the same ideas in the same places. Yeah. Um, I am. You are answering that question a little bit at a time. <laughs> is the the philosophy you're having is you're looking for you're not looking for money. You're looking for new puzzles to solve, new w- challenges to meet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're not looking for the most high paying job. You're just not. No, I mean I have I've I've had a job that where I made way more money than I needed. Yeah. And that was like that at first was like a really interesting feeling of like I don't have to worry about money. That's not a concern anymore. It wasn't like I was independently wealthy, but like from my time and the place I lived, like it was just it was adequate plus some. I could yeah, put, right. I could put some away, but the main thing was it wasn't on my mind. And then I had friends who made significantly more money. And for some reason, like it looped back around to stressful again, because they were, you know, they would worry about like, am I getting, am I, am I investing it right? Right, right. Or am I like really getting the best version of this thing I want? Where they were like optimizing so much that it became like this whole other job. You're managing it like a small estate. Yeah, there's like there's portfolios yeah. and there's and I'm sure apartments. there's like there's there's better ways to do that or you just give away all the stuff you don't need or whatever but it just became pretty soon after that like oh i don't need to aim super high money wise yeah yeah money is helpful but it doesn't like it it, there's there's other ways that life can be way more interesting where money is not like on your mind so much but that's kind of it like if you can make enough money so you're not thinking about money that much a huge privilege a great blessing very fortunate one less thing as forrest gump says Sure. You don't have to worry about money anymore. And he goes, Did he say great. that? He goes, great. He, he, he invested in Apple. He invested in some fruit company, he said. <laughs> and then he then he, it turned out he didn't have to worry about money anymore. And he goes, great, one less thing, um, which is a cute little I barely quote. remember that movie. Is it yeah. just a bunch of, like, things that later turned out to be catchphrases? Or, like, Life's like a box of chocolates. Culture. Someone said life's like a box of chocolates to me today at the moving job. <laughs> life's like a box of chocolates. Were um, you holding a big box of chocolates <laughs> moving it out of a house? I think that's kind of like life. <laughs> you just think I'm holding? That's kind of like life, huh? Huh. Um, one last thing. So, how okay, how about the comedy? How did uh, how did you how do you see that now? Yeah. Wh- how, how did the comedy go? In your opinion, how's that? How was that? It chunk was of life. Great. I mean, sometimes it was it was certainly like stressful. You're doing a bomb, or yeah. you have like something you're really trying to make work and it won't it or won't. like you don't get booked on the show or whatever like all the little frustrations but you have such you have such perspective though it seems like you should be above that right you're so wise Tom. i above and below those concepts strike me as very not applicable because like i don't know i mean you'd see people who seem to be above it and then secretly they are seething of inside. course they're like yeah. a, just a a storm of <laughs> of of resentment and but they just like have a different persona, and I don't think I, I was above it anyway. I yeah. just I would c- try to steer around it because it felt bad to this feel is bad. That way. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's and it, it would make me feel, like just the edge of a feeling. Like, do I? I don't like my friends because they don't do, they don't shape my life the way I want it. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at no. all. No, but you could feel like the kind of the tentacle of that feeling coming in, and going like, no. No, 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 not that. Turn away from that, yeah, because yeah. that way, madness. You could be contemplating every what everyone thinks about you and why exactly. you, yeah. And then not you're great. you're trying to keep track of ten million things and people that you don't have any control over. No, and that's no good. Yes, that's no fun. 
So like the temptation healthy. is always there just because you have so little control over comedy at large because yeah. you are one very small, completely superfluous person on the edge of a great big. Oh God, yeah, the feeling of being superfluous sucks so bad. See, where I got it's used like... to that years and years ago. So in comedy, it wasn't new. Well, like, I'm surplus. You know, this is. In what way were you surplus already? Like in, um, in like an economic sense. Yeah. Like okay. to my friends and family, I feel vital and important and valuable, and they feel that way to me too. But like as far as, like, need. Of, of other like utilitarian kinds like I know I'm surplus as there's, a contributor to society you mean like a, you know approaching 8 billion people on the planet I, I could be helpful I can be helpful but I am not absolutely necessary to anything except yeah. you know the the lives of people I care about and who care about me so once that hit the first time in comedy like once I you know where I felt I was like not a total rank beginner like 3 or 4 years in where I was like I can I can hold my do, own. I can yeah. do my part, hold my own. Yeah. And uh, th- then I, where I got just like completely ignored for something, or I didn't get into a festival or something, and I was like, oh, that again. Okay, that's fine. That old beast again. There's yes. always the first half second where you're like, it hits your heart. <laughs> you're just like, <gasps> and then you have a choice. And then I, I, I kept telling myself I had a choice. I don't know if I had a choice. You do, you do. Good, but go on, explain the choice. Just that, that it's a very physical thing like because you're you know you have this whatever it is whatever ancient evolved someone someone snatched the food out of your hand it feels like yeah right or like i had a an idea a model of how the future works where i am i am as good as i think i am yeah which is a whole big big first step yeah but then other people recognize that and the way i see things turns out to the way things become and every time that that gets um tweaked in a way that you don't expect or it gets straight up denied yeah there's i think it's like a pretty human thing to feel like your brain somewhere in there like feels like oh my prediction about the future my model of how things are and how they will go was wrong yeah yeah that also hits your nervous system at large and you go like you know you squeeze up and i think pretty much any time that happens you get to choose like well do i take this out of my loved ones do i take this out of myself do i take this out on nobody wait i have that that's an option i guess i could just and it really helps when you have like friends who are also going through all the same disappointments and also they're better at comedy than you are and they are still going through all these tough things and like like i think the the best thing that can happen to you as i don't know about an artist in general for sure, I mean, anything where you, you have these, these like, kind of um, more or less interchangeable things. I don't know if it works that way for painters, but, like, yeah. comedians, yeah, you put a comedian on a show. Absent, like, very careful curation, it's fine. And then totally. having so many people who are way better than you is such a great perspective giver. Because you can see them experiencing most of the same circumstances and feelings that you do. And still being really good at the thing and also, like, not freaking out and being a jerk to their friends. Right. That's, like, even absent their skill at the thing that you were also trying to do, it's like, oh, I can also have the skill of 
not freaking out about this stuff. It's a separate skill, right? You're yeah. developing both of those skills, both the skill of what to, how to do comedy and then the skill of like how to handle yourself in this environment yes. of constant rejection and constant like reevaluating your place in all of this mm-hmm. and yeah, where do I belong? How do I approach? Yeah, because you don't want to oh. sell yourself short, but you don't want to be get too big headed about stuff. Yeah, and you like you said, you always have to be reevaluating where you fit into things. Yeah, and to have have those examples in front of you at all times, pretty much if you're paying attention, is a huge huge help. It's like a, it's an inevitable part of it, but it's always you know you have the choice whether to pay attention to it or take it in or whatever. Where are you at with it? where are you at with comedy now? How oh, are I you, quit. You quit? Yeah, you're done. Yeah, pre. Actually, before, like a couple months before I broke my hand, pretty much. Okay. So that made it easier to stay home and let my hand bend. When was this? When did you break your hand? When did Uh, you you quit? Summer 2019. Okay. And in the, um, I think it was the spring, it must have been the spring of that year, or spring in Chicago, which is still winter. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was like, it must have been March. Yes, it is. Because I went to, I was just wanted to go on vacation. So I was like, where's a fun, warm place to go? So I thought Savannah, Georgia. And, just because because we are comedians, a lot of people we know in any given place are also comedians. Yeah. And like I knew a couple of uh, Atlanta guys who are from Savannah, and so I sent them a message. I was just like, and I didn't mention comedy at all. I was like, where's a like a good neighborhood to stay in that's central? I want to see like some interesting nature and history and stuff, and like just walk around and chill. And they were amazing. They were just like, oh yeah, stay in this neighborhood. Here's the cool place to go see. I've heard about this. I haven't been there, but go try it. And talk to this guy. And by the way, I've got you on my show Tuesday and Thursday, <laughs> and my buddies on Friday, and maybe a Wednesday thing. And like, you know, and I didn't even mention it. Yeah. And they're so welcoming and generous and nice. And so I just went and did it, of course. Okay. What and I you had know, already decided to quit? Or you were no, like, no, no, no. Okay. Was, I was like moseying along. Okay. Like there was uh, some thoughts in my mind of like moving on to a new city trying new things like doing different i've been doing like helping people make videos and stuff like that yeah and like changing the focus somehow but um so i got to savannah and i didn't know this but saint patrick's day is a huge thing it's it's like mardi gras like people come from all the country (laughs) and i had no idea and so it was crazy like almost all the shows were crazy like crazy bad no, no like big crowds okay but i mean again to their credit the people there who run the shows were like even with these basically mardi gras crowds like rowdy drunk rambunctious yes audiences they were like really good at keeping people kind of wrangled and keeping the show running and making sure people know like this is how this is how you act we talk you don't talk back right right and like as much as they can yeah but they were great the shows were great people were great and no problems with that even though that's st patrick's day no no it was it was rowdy but it was fun okay and you had a good time yeah yeah like some of the best sets of my life and i got like the last show it was like a friday or whatever it might have been st patrick's day itself i forget but it was like the like a big bar and the whole thing was basically seating and people you know it's the kind of thing where it's like people are so far away that if it was a bar show, usually you'd be like, they can't pay attention. This is going to be a mess. Yeah, right. And it's going to be. But the sound system was good. They, they wrangled it. And I'm making too long of a story about this. But basically, like, almost, I don't know if you do this, but after every set, I'd be like, whether it went well or bad, I'd think, like, what can I change? Like, Of course. That little riff worked. I can, like, work that in, and that's, like, a segue to this other joke. I can put, like, a hinge in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, make, make this set work differently. Or that didn't work, and was it my tone? Like, just kind of figuring it afterwards. But I had, like... 
one of the best sets. And like I thought of old jokes suddenly, crowd work, little riffs, just like pulling invisible golden apples out of, <laughs> off of magical trees. Like I did not expect it. I don't know if I could have made it happen if I tried. Okay. I was barely thinking at all, and okay. it felt amazing. Okay. And then I got off stage, and I didn't think about it after that. Like I wasn't thinking like what could I do better or how can I take this thing that worked, and I just wasn't thinking about comedy at all. You weren't in a good mood about the set. No, I was in a general good mood. General it, good it mood. It felt good, and but I wasn't thinking about it. Okay. I wasn't like trying to put it into something in the future. Okay. You know? And I was like enjoying other people's sets and we were all going out to like hang out or whatever. And I just, I noticed like later that night or the next day, like I didn't think about it afterwards. And then I just suddenly was like, I'm done. Wow. How? I need more there. I need more there. I wish I had more to give Okay. But okay, by virtue of the fact that you didn't feel like crafting, turning this into something else that meant to you that, you know what, if that didn't do it. I don't know if there's a therefore there. Okay. I think it was like someone, I can't remember where I heard this, some podcast. I've been on the yeah, road a lot. Same. Um, yeah. Or maybe it was in person with friends. I don't know. Gross. I'm, I'm, full of, I'm full of other people's thoughts right now. But the difference someone described as being like, the difference between a good movie and a bad movie is like, does it, does it, is it just this happened and then that happened? Or is it this happened, therefore that happened? Is there like a flow to it? Yes. I don't know if... if consciously that was there I, I wasn't like this was the thought process i had or lack thereof and therefore i must be changed somehow okay i think it was like i've been thinking these things about changing focus or doing something different and something just kind of coalesced or it was god <laughs> sending that, me a personal it seems, message it seems like yeah maybe I, it was god telling me to shut up you've just, okay so, but either way after that you felt i'm done it just, yeah i felt done you felt done. You, I, you I wasn't think logically. I'm therefore I'm done. Yeah, yeah. It just suddenly seemed like oh that that is not happening. Was that the last show in Savannah? That was the last show in Savannah. The finale. The finale. The Tom Wisdom finale yeah. of comedy 2019, springtime. <laughs> Some St. Patrick's something. Yeah, right around March. Yeah, there be, you go. Uh, it could be an Eve. <laughs> but yeah, and then I, I came back to Chicago and like I had a couple more shows already scheduled. Or like people would ask me to fill in or something like that, and that was fun. I wasn't like, it wasn't wasn't bad at all. Wasn't anyway, bad. Uh, there was still like 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 late late breakfast and stuff like that. Like right. still, you're the, refer- you're the referee at late late breakfast tournament of champions. Yeah, late late breakfast is still like the best show of all time. It's just <laughs> insane, and it's like very controlled chaos. Right, it's a thing where every comedian has a sort of a game to play. When they're up there, it'll be like do they're, they're trying to do the material within this constraint of like a task or right. a challenge either related to the material or yeah. a physical thing and eating a can of soup or like having a pie shoved in your face yeah or being bombarded with balloons balloons or, or actually the very i remember the very first late late breakfast i think it was in chicago the very first one yeah like when like i met tyler and danny and i went and i was very new and uh the challenge was um to now I can't remember which one came first, but I remember the first. The first one, I think, was um, we're going to turn this table on its side and give you two sock puppets. And you do your set as a dialogue <laughs> between two sock puppets and do your best to like. And they're always just like, you don't have to do it perfectly. Just do do your stuff the best you can with these constraints. And I like did the different voices. And it made me think about my jokes in a whole different way. As yeah. Like, 
as different viewpoints as opposed to like, you know, like how some people and a lot of good comedy happens this way, too, where it's like it sounds like you're just thinking of things and you're 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 considering something. And then, oh, yeah, I guess it's kind of like this. And people can do that well or not well. A dialogue with yourself almost. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then I thought about it this way. Yeah. Right. But then again. Right. Right. But having this explicit dialogue <laughs> and especially like doing different voices made me think about like, what is the point of view this is from? There's no point. of I don't have a point of view. I'm just like saying things that come to me and writing them down. Okay. And saying them again at Mike's. And then I did this set and I was like, oh gosh, like this should be, there should be a person behind this. It should be me. You do have a point of view. Okay. You yeah. do have a, you should have a point of view. Yeah. It should be like, you're one of the puppets and then you're. You're arguing against a puppet, a straw man, yeah, or, or arguing against, or having a conversation, okay. or like, okay. or maybe involving. You know, if there's another person in your joke or your story, that should be a real person. It shouldn't be the straw man you set up to like Dunk set on. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, but there should be like a like a palpable human voice there, and so, it was hard to like notice that. It's very obvious now, of course. Like if you watch anybody and you're not you're not trying to make your own thing out of it. It seems obvious, of course. So were you realizing that you didn't have you, something you didn't have in yeah, your Yeah, I was time? very early on, and I was just, like, saying things that sounded clever and trying to be clever. Yeah. And some of it hit. A lot of it didn't. But I didn't really have a way of understanding why. I would just, like, try different things and see what stuck. But that, like... And not to get... Not to make it sound like I had a deep understanding of, like, a revelation right then. But, like, just seeing things and hearing them in that way. Hearing them over the PA system with sock puppets going, <laughs> it, it, Perspective. It, it took it outside of my own head. Yeah. Which was a big deal because you're so in your head when you which first Which my therapists like do that. that with the puppet all the time. <laughs> do they? It's, I mean, oh, that's, one of the, that's one of the wacky versions in a movie that the therapist would be like, talk to the puppet like it's your mom. You know what I mean? there's so many different kinds of therapy with like acronyms. I wonder what that one would be. Like, yeah. We oh, could, puppet therapy is definitely a thing. We could make it like into a pronounceable, like, like sock, puppet, uh, displacement um spd yes uh, yeah speed speed here yeah. i prescribe you speed sock puppet um evaluation and elocution displacement there you go speed See? um speed I hereby grant you a phd Woo! there you go i've got a master's in the arts of teaching and now i've got a phd yeah. tom wisdom um, oh i just saw the other game hit the, me. it was the first the other one of the, the first, first two where it was called Stop Living in the Past, Man. <laughs> and I had to turn every verb in the set into the future tense. Whoa. Which really messes with your brain. Tyler Jackson's a genius, man. He, yes. Him and Danny are like the yin-yang of, of like fun, like chaos and fun within like, like the closing in walls of whatever that Star Wars <laughs> spaceship thing is. Like just, you are going to be squeezed to death by fun, unless you can, like, goof your way out of it. <laughs> goof your way out of a paper bag yeah, at Late Late Breakfast. You, you've watched people bomb at that show. Yes. And it's always because they don't, they, like, they, they don't do the game. You fight it. It's like an acid trip. You need to accept it <laughs> and don't fight it. Yeah. yeah. Take the external and you have to, you're, you got to be, merge with the landscape. Be exactly. a part of it. Yeah, it's all one <laughs> thing. You're a part of that thing. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to stand separate from this or like talk shit about it in real time because no one's gonna be on your side. Yes, it, yeah. You have to say yes to it, accept it, and go. For it. You can't shit on the. Everyone's there because they love this thing. They're yeah. not there because they. Everyone love else is comedy. there. But yes. once in a while, you see someone who's not not having it, or just they trying just trying to grind. Yeah, they just don't know what they got into. They right. just signed up or whatever, and and even that's kind of fun to watch because. Yes. 
you you know that like you well you're gonna get a palate cleanser in a second where someone's <laughs> gonna get hit in the face with a pie or something like that ah. or the best part is when someone is not having the game and then they get hit in the face <laughs> with a pie <laughs> then the game finds them the game will yeah exactly that's the problem the game will find you <laughs> the game will find you yeah okay so sorry that's a big ad for late late breakfast it's brought great- to you by Danny Moppin and Tyler Jackson. Great show. I just hung out with Danny in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and he's a, he's a he's a good time, man. Yeah. Um, he was closing on that Kokomo joke where he danced just dances to Kokomo yes. for two. Minutes. He's just like a he's like a like a, a stepdad that's also a noodle. Oh man. <laughs> he just wiggles around. Nothing but fun, dude. He's got very big stepdad energy. Um, okay, so you're done with comedy 2019 you're still hanging out with your friends and comedy how do you feel how's that how is that post comedy thing because a lot of people are quitting comedy now i've talked to a lot of people on this podcast this year who have quit comedy so you'll be in which i think is like a pretty very understandable thing to do 100 percent. it can be very stressful and it can't maybe not give you what you want out of it or whatever but i bet like i'm not sure how many more people quit comedy during the pandemic than usual like i wonder what the base yeah, rate is. it's got to be like most yeah. people right it's most of the time most people quit comedy and on a long enough timeline for sure and and i have now been doing comedy <laughs> beyond the point of most of my friends who've started have quit who started i started with have yeah, quit. yeah yeah you're definitely going to get that attrition yeah. and be the last one left standing of your cohort yeah or whatever. exactly i'm at seven years now so i've had to like, i've had to make new friends to join new yes. incoming groups and yeah. be like, you guys are my Chicago guys now because my Chicago guys quit or moved or whatever. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, especially in Chicago, it's a transient sort of comedy town where it's like everyone's ratcheting up, ratchet, 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 five, six years. It's like move or quit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, or like become a part of the fucking furniture in Chicago. Like, oh, I'm part boy. of the. See, that thing. makes me feel very bad to think about. That's well. That's what you've been avoiding this whole time. Yeah. Is becoming entrenched. The furniture of some situations. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think. I mean, I've, most of the people I talk to who have quit comedy, or have changed the way they relate to it, or they started writing screenplays, or whatever they do. Yeah. Like as long as they made the choice themselves, they didn't get dragged kicking and screaming away from it. They're like, happier. I think they most. Most of them feel good. Yeah, they're in a good place. Yeah. Um, Aaron Grother, she's doing. She's like, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer now. She's been a lawyer this whole time. Exactly. And she's, she's like, I'm gonna be a lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. Seems to be like really good at it and like yeah. dedicated to her job and stuff. Like, if you have that, that's great. Comedy oh, is God. a nice addition to it. But if it's not there, then you are still doing great. Exactly. Doing great. And um, I'm not sure what is the thing I have. I don't know what I'm. That, left okay, with that's my next question. Is what's this phase? What is this? What, what are we gonna label this phase of the Tom Wisdom cha- story now? Um. Well. What's the next challenge? I think it's just like uh, unpausing the midlife crisis that I was happening when COVID hit anyways. Okay. A very chill one. You just know. a chill. Of course. Why, like you I would, quit. You wouldn't have any other kind. I quit my steady job at the end of 2019. Would you, what kind of steady job was it? I was tutoring like nearly full time. Okay. And uh, that's, a, that's actually a really fun job if you can like, if you can wing it a lot. What kind of tutoring? Uh, mostly like middle school and high school and like test prep. And boy, I got out at the peak of that market, because uh, man, the whole all these schools are just not requiring the tests anymore, the SAT and stuff nice. like that. Nice, really? I didn't know They're that. Just the the number that requires it is going down every year. Wow. Um, but it's it's really fun. I mean, you were a teacher. Yep. It can I be really fun as well. Yeah. But when it clicks, you know what I mean. You're encouraging somebody when so you fun. bring them. Yeah, you get them. It's and it's rewarding on like every level. Yeah. 
it's like a job level, like almost like a spiritual level where you're like, I'm helping this kid. Like yeah. this kid's being changed positively by talking to me. Yeah. And quite often, like I would learn something into the bargain because I had to think about it in some different way. Cause some, some student thought about it in some way that I couldn't get into cause it yeah. wasn't my way. And then I would like talk to them enough. So I understood how they saw it and then have to start there. You're playing, you're playing their game. You're not going, well, I want to do my set. You're, you're playing the late, late breakfast game. Whoa. That is their way of doing Whoa. it. Yes. If I may, analogize. if that is, if that, if I have to have a philosophy, it is something on those lines. We could probably tighten it up a little bit, <laughs> probably punch it up a bit, but, uh, yeah, play the game that you are that you are in. Not, Let don't Tyler to, Jackson design your life. Yes, yes, that is it. Work okay. within the constraints you've been given, and you look for new. You're looking for new constraints. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like trying to trying to fit some general criteria or constraints that I have. Like yeah. I don't want to live in the same place I lived before. I probably wouldn't want to do some certain jobs like sales or like social media stuff. I don't. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm like suited to that. It doesn't feel exciting to me, but. Um, there's lots of things I haven't done that I, I would want to try. And I have lots of, a big background of various skills. Yeah, you do. But I'm just like very, when I'm, when I'm in a situation where I can like help figure something out and get something done, I'm just enthusiastic and pretty driven. And like, there's no, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel tiring often. Where I'm just like, there's, there's the next thing and the next thing and like a little reward. You yeah. Know, pretty regularly. Yeah. And there's lots of things like that. I'm sure. I'm sure something will come along, but I'm also like actively trying to seek it out as well. What about teaching or something like that? Um, I don't know if I would teach. I think the hard thing about teaching, and you can probably corroborate this for me, is not just conveying information or helping people figure things out, but managing a social dynamic yeah, that dude. you are distinctly not a part of. Like you are in a, in a speaking of being above things, you are in a, in a status or a stratum that is intentionally by definition above and yeah. you can't really connect in that way where you are a peer you kind of have to act like it sometimes and you kind of have to definitely not act like that sometimes yes yes and it's it's confusing and difficult it's a yeah i think it's socially really crazy i think some of the teachers some teachers are like kind of like become like i'm gonna be the coolest kid in class that'll be my way of being the leader of this group is by being the coolest kid yeah um who happens to be 35 years old um <laughs> Like and then I'm a some big of them, kid. I've been held back <laughs> twenty three times, <laughs> but I can skateboard, um, and I'm in charge for some reason. Some people are like, I love the being in charge thing, and like yeah. they want to be an authoritarian where they're in charge of things that don't even matter. Where it'd be like, why do you care which way we're facing? When or like, I guess facing is or like, why do you care if I use a pencil or a pen? Like, why are you getting on my case about yeah. all of these specific things? Why it's, are there so many rules in here? And it's really hard to draw the line between like, well, this is something that will prepare you for. Uh, a useful or applicable relevant future task and and maybe just like the challenge of having to do something a certain way and adapt to that that's a helpful skill or is it like i'm the teacher i'm in charge and i want to see a mirror image of the way i think and do things yeah. or it's wrong and that is like it really makes a student want to defeat you by failing oh that's good Often. that's good yes like i'm gonna because you want me to do this I'm going to ruin my own year. Yeah. <laughs> and I... What's I'm an F? To piss of, you off? I'm kind of on their side. Yeah, of course. Because I have, you know, a fair amount of attachment to my personal autonomy. It feels like that's important to me. Yeah. And so whenever I had a student like that, I'd be like, listen, I'm... The nice thing about tutoring is you're not an authority figure. 
you're not supposed to be keeping control of the classroom. It's like one on one with a person. Yeah. And they are just a person. It's not like they are your protege or something. Yeah, there's no like it's construct. Like, I'm here to help you learn this skill, get get around this obstacle or get or like how learn how to make this thing whatever it is and it could be I taught tutored all kinds of subjects but the the cool thing was that you could could kind of be a peer I've, yeah. I've been alive longer yeah. and done more stuff and tried this thing sometimes multiple times and not been good at it and then I had to get good at it yeah but I could I could really just come to them as like I'm only here to help to the extent that I can help and I'm nothing else yeah man they were getting a good deal when they got you as a tutor whatever whatever they're paying <laughs> I'm like damn that was they they got the they got a good they got a jackpot yeah this guy is like spiritually invested in your success <laughs> it's just it's just it's fun to relearn things in new ways like to see to have a more complete picture of how some you know geometry rule or um, like even like with grammar like grammar is boring and yeah, dumb dude. most of the time because it's arbitrary but then you realize oh it's arbitrary but it's been collectively decided on by huge numbers of people over time so that they could communicate clearly so they could really get their point whatever it is across right there's a purpose it's and some people can be ding dongs about the rules but you can always i mean if you if you have any knowledge of how language actually works you'd be like no we are all inventing this in real time yeah we've decided to freeze these rules in place for a few years at a time but everybody updates their like style books and 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 manuals and stuff like this is how a semicolon is used this many years ago completely different exactly the rules switched completely right and there's like American, British, and whatever. But you can really get across the idea like this is all made up. Right. And we are making this up to get something done. And if you want to get that thing done, learn how people made it up and then do your own thing with it. You need to learn the rules so you can break them effectively is yeah. the grammar Or bend thing. them or learn how to make your own rules in a different case. But right. like the, the like mechanism of, of, of working with rules... Thank you again, Tyler Jackson. <laughs> uh, working with <laughs> rules to have fun and make new interesting things happen. Like that's... It's counterintuitive. Yeah. Because you think making new things, well, you're just out in space on doing your own thing. But constraints help creativity, right? Constraints yeah, they, can help you. It's walls to bounce off of. So you yes. can, you know, do things. So you can do the Mario jump up to the top, exactly, top level. Exactly. Bounce, 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 Thank bounce. you, Tyler Snodgrass. Video Tyler games Snodgrass. are <laughs> Um What about, okay, what about settling down? What about a family? What about that? Where's, well, where does that fit in? Um, I, I have... N- as in in my memory, as far as I can tell, I have never had the thought like it would be nice to have kids. Really? Yeah. Like I had, um, I have all oh, my both my brothers have kids. Okay. And plenty of my friends by now have kids. Yeah. Like they, some of them started earlier than others, but um, I, I don't know. This is maybe not a good direction to go in, but it's kind of similar to dog sitting, where I'm like, I can. I can. I love the whole experience and be really. I can re- literally be there. It's great. And then I can leave. Right. At the end of the week or at the end of the day or whatever, I can go be a ding dong somewhere else. Exactly. The uncle. The uncle factor. Yeah. Yes. You're there as long as you want to be. You're as close as you want to be, and then you're out. I'm a. I'm a good uncle. Yeah. I'm a. Uh, well, I'm a, I describe my my current journey such as as I'm on my prodigal uncle tour, <laughs> just going out. <laughs> Visiting my friends and their kids and doing stuff and like I'll you know, wash a dish or I'll right. like read to the kids and then I'm out. You're gone, and that feels great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have I don't feel a need to like make a new me. 
Yeah, okay, right. And not that that's what everybody who has kids is doing or intending to do or whatever, but like, I think that's how I think of having kids maybe, is like, yeah. you can, you get another chance, right? But that's a whole other person, that's not you. They are their own being completely. Right. And I'm not sure if I would have like the patience and presence of mind and like all that to, to not make it about me. Yeah, okay. I or maybe see. I would, but it'd be extremely stressful. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I think a, a large part of it has to do with not trying to bring the future into the present. Like in terms of, you know, bringing tomorrow's worries into today. Okay, right. And there's so much of that in parenting. Like any big high stakes long term thing, you're you're always thinking about the next day. And it's hard to think about right now. And... I do know plenty of parents who are doing a great job at it and they are raising super cool kids and being wonderful people the whole time, but it's, um, I'm not sure if I'm up to it, but also yeah, up to it. Yeah. Like I, I maybe could do it. I don't know how well I would do it or if I would still like be a, a decent person the rest of my life. Okay. Um, I just don't know. Okay. But also I think that uh, the big thing is, like, there is that downside, possibly. But for me, it doesn't feel like there's an upside to it. And I'm talking strictly for me. Sure. I'm not like, sure. human extension, let's go. But um, I don't feel compelled. I don't feel the reward of it. Yeah. And many people seem to. So you're kind of like... They have a drive. It's yeah. like, it feels... It's not even like, well, I need to have this thing because that will do this for me. It's yeah. just a drive where every single step of it feels like the thing to do. It's inherently good. Yeah, yeah they want to do it for its own sake. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you seem to be very now, very uh, um, present, focused? Is that spiritual? Are you meditating? Eckhart Tolle? Where are we at with that? Um, I have read an Eckhart Tolle book. And, um, okay, I skimmed it. I, <laughs> I read the first three chapters and the rest of it. He started talking about higher frequency of vibrations. And I was like, I don't think that is important to this. Yeah. Um, but the idea of, like, you know, being living in the present moment that seems like pretty good just as a simple psychological fact of like you have to act there's no such thing as acting in the future or in the past right right it's all happening now um and if you are preoccupied by things that are not happening that happened before or that might happen in the future you will be you just have less resources to devote to what you're doing right to things you know right in front of you right here that's just like seems like mechanical kind of like just makes general sense okay so this, is there a spiritual approach um i i have like you know dabbled in meditation and stuff like that but it, again this it seems like exercise like working out like yes if you use your muscles if you if you do really focus on not being preoccupied by things that you that are not happening and you can't control then you will have more resources and you'll be able to um to just be there and do things that are happening right in front of you as opposed to like playing off some other scenario about yeah. the past or the future that just seems like what's the, what's, there's a book that I have not another book I haven't read <laughs> called like why Buddhism is true or something like oh, that oh yeah um, but as I understand it the central thesis is like the, the kind of uh, neurobiological and societal aspects of the generally agreed upon tenets of Buddhism of, of, uh, you know, impermanence and, um, 
all the the devoting your mind to being aware of of your mind and it's and it's uh, context those are those are like you can be those are testable provable neurological realities sociological realities yeah or at least yeah uh, testable and provable is is iffy yeah but I mean, I guess that book probably takes a different tack. It's true. So probably, yeah. I think it's a little bit tongue in cheek. But but the the idea is that these are hard things to do. Just like staying in shape is hard to do. It takes effort because you are when you come across something more difficult, it will be easy for you because you've done hard stuff for you know you've worked out that muscle. There's all kinds of metaphors to it that all kind of boil down to the same thing of like you are ready to do something because you've done harder things before. Yeah, and um, so I can't tell, I have no, like, I've never been anybody else, but like, I've got my own path and I've gone, you know, tried these things. And I think I'm, I'm certainly getting less, less anxious, less depressed, less, uh, you know, muddled as things go by because I've had just been alive longer to make more mistakes and learn from them, or at least notice that they happened and not exactly repeat them. Oh, that's good. So you've been noticeably less anxious, depressed as you've gone along. Yeah. Steady downward curve. But also a lot of that, it, it, like I, I can't say that like I'm, you know, I certainly wouldn't say I've become like a spiritual practitioner. I'm just saying like, I really want to do this thing because it seemed like the answer. I really wanted to be, do this job and be in this situation. And then I did it and it didn't solve all my problems. But I tried it and I noticed at the very least that that, Fulfilling that like big goal didn't solve all my problems. Yeah. Right. So next time you come up to a big old goal, you don't. At least I, I, I don't have this like. I don't know what you call it. Desperate confidence. Like this has to work, because it has to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no other choice. Like I can't think of anything else. So this must be the thing. I think it. For me, it feels just things feel more open because being closed off like that, being so like. Uh, tunnel vision about things hasn't worked out for me. I'm, there are many people who like being that driven and focused. It has worked out in various yeah. ways, and that's right. awesome. I love that for them. For them. But I've, like I said, just been alive long enough making mistakes, doing things that didn't work out the way I thought they would, so that I don't have to do those things again. And, like, I have not like gotten really, <laughs> I almost said, good at meditation. Uh, <laughs> I haven't become a champion, world champion, Olympic um, <laughs> meditator, enlightened guy. And I'm not even in the regionals, you know? Okay, right. But the the general principle makes a lot of sense. Where yeah. if you're not preoccupied by things that are not actually happening or that already happened, then you will have more ability to deal with what's in front of you yeah you've definitely you've imbibed that that's sort of like you you exude that sort of mentality which is good and it's calming me down as we as we've been speaking <laughs> honestly um, that, that that's nice to hear yeah thanks that's for very it. nice to a nice thing to say about someone no problem it's been really nice talking to you um uh, do you have anything to plug <laughs> <laughs> with that said um actually if um you would like to give me a job that involves a fair amount of traveling or like seasonality to, to the work. Um, if you think I can help you do something, uh, whether there's money involved or something else, you know, whatever, if something interesting is happening and it seems like you want something like me around, I would plug myself. Hired, dude. Yeah. I'm very open right now. 
dude, if you whatever they hire, whatever they hire you for, you'd be doing a great job, probably. Almost one of those things that you t- already told me that you hated doing. Um, what? You, you hate doing some stuff. You're bad at some jobs, sales yeah, and whatever. I don't know, but it's bad. hate. I think it's just does. It doesn't drive me. It doesn't drive I, you. I, I can't good. like see the next thing and go like, oh yeah. If you want somebody to? Someone should hitch their wagon to Tom Wisdom's <laughs> interest, and that will take that. It will take. You'll get more bang for your buck than with the next uh-huh. Joe Schmo. I have no doubt about that. Or if you've solved love, Ugh. definitely get in touch with some somebody. Both here. of us, yeah. Thank you. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, all right, Tom. Thanks for doing it, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for sitting in a park and talking. Ugh. I would have done it without a recording. Same. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. If someone else wants to hear this, that's cool. That's a bonus, I guess. Whatever. Bye. Would somebody please hire Tom Wisdom? I don't know what he's best suited for, but I think he's the kind of guy who puts everything into whatever he's doing um as long as it is uh it kind of jives with what he's going for but just a pure uh piece of light that time wisdom purely alive and uh introspective and amazing um so thanks to time wisdom for for being my guest thank you for listening and don't forget to rate review and subscribe and you know what shout out to rudy schultz for doing the logo for this podcast and while we're at it Thank you to Steve Gerard for recording, writing, performing the theme song to this podcast. Both of these men are available for hire. They can do the similar thing for your podcast or your small business, selling carpets or tile. Um, only those two things, just those two. Everything else they don't do. They told me they don't do those things. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. You're the absolute best. Bye-bye. <laughs>